independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be here on a holiday, uh, Memorial Day. Certainly a a holiday that is very much worth celebrating, uh, respecting uh, the fallen, uh, talking about how uh, lives get sacrificed for our country uh, in a way that is truly special, truly unique, I would say, uh, to some other places in the world. Uh, not all countries have the the version of freedom, the version of, uh, and I know I'm getting on the soapbox early. I apologize for this. I can't help it. Uh, the version of law enforcement official and or military official that is willing to give their lives for our protection, for the protection of this country. I say all that to open the show uh, because yet again, um, sitting here filling in for Chad Benson, one of the biggest conversations over the weekend was the the continued unraveling of the Uvalde uh, situation, the, the Uvalde police response to this horrific school shooting that happened. Um, and a lot of the things that are coming out look very bad for the Uvalde police. I can't say that any other way. Uh, and I want to be crystal clear when I talk about these things. It gives me no joy whatsoever to believe the narrative, the valuable narrative in our country involves criticizing police response to an active shooting situation, to uh, demanding that police officers sacrifice their lives to save others. And yet that's an expectation our country does have. That's an expectation the training uh, does have. So I want to start this way. Uh, over the weekend, uh, the New York Times has done a deep dive into a lot of the different things that were actually included in the training that you've heard um, being mentioned again and again, that Uvalde police, that the police chief himself uh, had been through as early as December of last year, uh, just months before, of course, this horrific shooting that takes the lives of of uh, 19 children and two adults. Uh, there's no other way to receive this information. I especially think as, as an everyday person uh, who's not a, a police officer, who's not ever going to be asked to do something like this or even train in this manner at all, uh, for all of the rest of us, for everybody that's today or, or any day just going to you know, not have um, any sort of access to stuff like this, I think when we read through it, it's fairly apparent that they didn't follow the directions that are given here. I, the one thing I will continue to say is, I do think we need to wait for an entire investigation to come out for it to be transparent, which has been promised to be uh, several different other organizations will actually do this investigation into the response itself to truly understand why everything happened the way it did. We owe that to anyone in any situation like this, to officers in situations like this, uh, to not need the demand of the Internet, uh, the demand of answers right now, right away. Uh, to take over the need for accurate information, because we definitely need all of the accurate information. I think uh, most of uh, the United States deserves, uh, if they care, and I imagine they do, to understand how something this terrible could happen with training and then also uh, certain guidelines or expectations for the school itself, as I talked about on Friday when I was here for Chad. All of those things should have been in place and weren't. Uh, but here, here are some of the biggest things highlighted so far. And what was trained to those officers in the written uh, different texts that they would get and then the scenarios that they practice and the decision making that actually happened that day. The very first piece of information that's highlighted says that stop the killing is objective number one. 
Uh, and this is very easy, again, for most everyday Americans, most people who've never served in military, law enforcement, anything, to just uh, understand that if the first thing you're taught in the role that you're in uh, to protect and save lives is to stop the attacker, confront the attacker, that's actually a quote from this training, officer's first priority is to move in and confront the attacker. This may include bypassing the injured and not responding to cries for help from children is actually what is stated here. This is training again uh, that occurred back in December for the Uvalde Police Department. Stop the dying is another part of the uh, three-piece first um, suggestion of how to handle this and evacuate the injured. Uh, In Evacuate the Injured, it actually describes the injured as people who need immediate medical facilities to hopefully save their lives if, say, they they are bleeding out. Uh, and how quickly that can happen. Uh, Now, granted, it dives even deeper into this information throughout the training that has been shared again, at least in parts right now, by the New York Times. Another part of this says the short duration and high casualty rate produced by these events requires immediate response to reduce the loss of life. In many cases, that immediate response means a single officer respond until such times as other officers can arrive. Uh, the best hope the, that innocent victims have is that officers immediately move in uh, into action to isolate, distract, or neutralize the threat, even if that means one officer acting alone. Now, granted, I will be honest. As I read through some of these things, and there's actually a moment here where I had to take a, a, a tremendous step back, and it's not just because of, again, I, I guess the way that our society, our media, uh, whoever it might be, everyday people uh, will wind up getting more and more upset, angry at the response by police in this situation uh, from the other week. Uh, But because of some of these expectations of officers and how tremendously difficult uh, it means those jobs are, uh, there is one moment within this training that says that if you're not someone willing, and I'm paraphrasing this, not someone willing to put your life at risk to save the lives of others in a situation like this, if a first responder to an active shooter situation. And I don't think the officers, by the way, actually fall into this category in Uvalde. It sounds like a whole lot of them wanted to go in and one police chief, one person in charge of the scene uh, chose to not allow that to happen. Uh, So I don't think that it would even be fair to say that all the different police involved in this, um, again, horrific uh, uh, school shooting actually deserve this level of criticism, but it does say uh, a first responder uh, must recognize the innocent life must be defended. A first responder unwilling to place the lives of the innocent above their own safety should consider another career path. That's actually stated uh, within this training, which again took me by surprise. Uh, Not that we as Americans don't expect that of our law enforcement, which actually, and I know that I've said this before, and I know this might sound like I'm, I'm defending something I'm not. Um, but it, it is the reason that things like defund the police were so utterly offensive uh, to so many people who believe in police officers, believe in the idea of how it's done in this country, that, that they rush toward danger when others rush away, that they try to defend and protect people's lives, even if it means giving up uh, their own lives in the process. Uh, all of these things are just expectations we have, while part of our society uh, is also content to make them out to be the bad guy. Uh, in many more situations than are ever deserved uh, by most police throughout this country. Just one other quick thing about this training itself. There was a scenario, scenario number four, apparently within the training. They they go through several. 
uh, that was a two-officer response to a solo shooter, is how it's stated. Uh, during the scenario, one of the two officers is supposed to be, quote-unquote, shot in the arm, a grazed wound. Uh, this is something that actually did essentially happen in Uvalde. Uh, when the shooter first tried to make his way into the the um, the room that he actually gets into, uh, there is some back and forth reporting that maybe once within the room or at some point when when officers first responded, that a couple of officers may have been hit by bullets. Uh, neither of them uh, mortally wounded. Both of them are okay. Uh, if I'm to understand whatever timeline we've actually been given most recently, uh, but then falling back from that point, uh, no officers attempt to get back into the room for 77 minutes. Uh, it is very important, again, as I said, to dive through this training. I had a deep conversation with someone who's intimately avail uh, intimately knowledgeable in the world of military and or police responses to certain things, uh, active uh, uh, shooter or active situations. And this person told me uh, during that conversation that training is, is all over the place. Um, and not that the actual training itself, as in the directives given, the information provided uh, to individuals uh, who would then be expected to behave in certain uh, ways in situations like this isn't pretty uniform. The information itself is usually pretty uniform. You have to go in, you have to stop the shooter. What I mean by that is that the training itself isn't usually as expansive as we might assume. It's not days and days of, of training again and again and of using uh, weapons in, in situations that maybe you think you need practice to make sure that you're doing things appropriately. It's usually like a one-day training course uh, that is maybe sometimes not as effective as it should be, obviously, uh, in certain cases. I'm not blame, blaming the training itself. I just thought it was interesting, that information about how widely different some training can be for officers in all different parts of, say, this country. Uh, but the final thing I would say is that in scenario number four, talked about again by the New York Times, uh, when one suspect is hit, uh, that sus or excuse me, when one police officer is hit by the suspect, that officer uh, steps down uh, as long as the officer is okay, and they say that they should focus on treating their injured arm first, uh, but then be willing to continue through the scenario uh, to whatever extent they can, or or maybe uh, not expected uh, to be a part of the scenario if that's not possible. Uh, but the other officer, if two officers respond to a solo shooter, is expected via this training to engage the, the shooter and try to prevent them uh, from harming anyone else, from taking any additional life. All of this because every training scenario uh, that I guess the Uvalde Police Department went through said engage the shooter, engage the shooter as quickly as possible to save lives. Uh, now, again, as you know, or maybe don't, uh, it took 78 minutes for officers to actually... Uh, breached the classroom that the shooter had, um, I guess, uh, depending on how exactly you understand it, barricaded himself into the into that room. Uh, the last thing I found, and this was interesting, is that the border patrol, the border security team that actually did um, get into the classroom and take the life of the shooter defied orders to do it. Apparently, 77 minutes in, that elite team of, of officers, according to the most recent data we have, were also told to stand down and said no. I don't know what else to say about this scenario. I wanted to pro provide that information earlier on in the show because I think it's valuable. I guess there's one other piece of caution I will throw out that I throw out whenever we talk about any of this kind of stuff in our society. We cannot judge everyone based on people involved in any one scenario at any time in our society. We can't do it. We should not do it. 
We shouldn't listen to the results of a court case somewhere in our country and decide what that court case means about the beliefs, the feelings, the the way in which everyone else uh, in the world or in our society behaves. Uh, we do that all the time. We, we take from a scenario and we believe that we now understand how, how something would happen in every other place uh, in the country. And that's just not true. However, this situation and the need for transparent information to make sure, I, I guess, if nothing else, to say this, and then I will take a break, to make sure that if we do change things, if we do take an active approach at trying to solve the problem that was uh, this school shooting and the loss, the horrific loss of lives of children, that we actually do it based on all the information necessary to understand how and why it happened. If gun control to some is the only solution to the problem, I now believe that you're just not listening to the amount of things that may have gone wrong, the amount of things that were not uh, followed in what should have been the, the appropriate way to prevent or, uh, once this starts to occur, limit the, the horrificness of such, a, of such a day. All right, I'm going to take a break. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Chad is the hardest working guy in radio, though. So even when he has a day off, he's still doing stuff. Here's some information he has about MyPillow. MyPillow has massive discounts right now. Blowouts of the My Slippers. Incredible. $90 savings. Regular price, $139.98. Yours, $49.98 with promo code Benson. So you're going to want to go to MyPillow.com slash Benson. Let me tell you about it. it. Took two years to develop these amazing four-tier cushion slippers. All right, you got the MyPillow patented fill, comfort memory foam, patented impact gel, indoor outdoor sole, tons of different styles and colors, super incredible quality leather suede, six-day money-back guarantee, one-year limited warranty. Get yours now. Save big. $90 off your MyPillow slippers. Go to MyPillow.com slash Benson. That's MyPillow.com slash Benson. Check out all the BOGO that's still going on. Buy one, get one free extravaganza. But grab these slippers. MyPillow.com slash Benson. Or call 800-983-4975 today. Irreverence? Um, like... Yeah. So what? It's the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad is back after the holidays. Thrilled to be here with you on a important holiday in our country, Memorial Day. Uh, and thank you to all those who serve and protect our country and to those families of those who have given lives uh, to our country, uh, for our country. Uh, I wanted to touch on just something a little bit lighter, a little bit sillier that I found uh, a new study says that video games can increase a child's intelligence over time. I love how these stories come out. Uh, I am a millennial. Uh, for those that don't know, um, whenever I fill in, I think I sometimes mention it. Um, I remember playing video games as a kid, and actually over the holiday weekend, I got to visit with some family, and some of them, uh, some of the uh, kids around my age, uh, my cousins, uh, admitted or mentioned how much uh, they feel the same as I do, how jealous they are of what video games are believed to be in our society now. Although the way I say that is that like kids can go study it in college and some of them can actually make a bunch of money in, in competitions. Not a lot of people. I think that a, a vast majority of parents should probably still tell their children to put the, the controller down and go do something else. 
uh, more often than not. Uh, but 9,000 children uh, between the ages of 9 and 10 participated in a study for scientific reports uh, that uh, demonstrated a set of cognitive tests that would increase. They, they would get better. The kids would do uh, perform better and better on them after hours and hours of playing video games. I have no words uh, for that other than uh, my 10-year-old, my 9-year-old self, who was told to put down the video game controller on an almost constant basis, uh, would have loved to have stats data like that available then. I don't think it's true, though, by the way. I feel like maybe video games have gotten so much harder uh, that maybe they are actually more valuable to us now than they were then. All right, uh, one other quick thing. A guy dressed as an elderly woman uh, caked the Mona Lisa. Uh, that's the way that it's described here. I uh, got up at the Louvre on Sunday, uh, took out cake that he had hidden on himself while also, again, dressing to pretend that he was an elderly woman in a wheelchair, and then just smeared cake over a famous painting. Uh, there's a bunch of viral things going up on social media of people kind of seeing it and laughing at it. Uh, I have to be honest, uh, this is uh, another terrible thing that our society just does now. Young kids are just idiots for no reason whatsoever. Putting cake on the Mona Lisa is just dumb. I, I don't think it's all that funny. I don't think it's it's uh, a, a valuable way to get a bunch of likes and clicks on social media, even though it appears to be. So I say stop it. Stop it, you young kids. All right, that's it so far for PSAs. More of Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show after this. The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. With store shelves still barren across the country, tonight communities organizing giveaways to help desperate families in need of baby formula. I have no baby formula for my baby for the last two weeks. An estimated 70% of the nation's baby formula supplies now out of stock. In Dearborn, Michigan on Friday, cars lined up for nearly a mile waiting for formula. Volunteers struggling to meet the demand as some in line were turned away empty-handed. It's crazy. I had a conversation. By the way, Chad Benson Show, Craig Collins filling in. Happy to have you with us. Uh, it's crazy. I had a conversation about this very story uh, with a few different individuals over the weekend. And people have all different levels of information about why we're at a baby formula. Um, I think we've gotten to a point in our society uh, where most people hear the headline to a thing and then are not sure what to actually understand about how or why something occurred. Uh, and specifically in this case, baby formula is an interesting thing to me. One of the individuals I was talking to has a very young kid, uh, a baby, an infant, uh, one year old uh, in about a month. Um, but we didn't seem to in the room outside of myself, uh, but probably because I do this for a living, I know as many of the facts as to the why. Uh, the Abbott lab getting shut down, uh, the fact that there was some sort of bacterial outbreak within the formula itself for that lab, and I think four infants uh, may have been impacted, may have even uh, gotten very sick and or, or died uh, because of that. Um, uh, and I'm not sure about actually uh, the stat there. So even I still have some information gaps. Uh, but it's just very interesting that people then wonder, well, how, do, how did this happen? In our society, in our country, how do we uh, get to a place where we don't have baby formula, especially for, for parents of, 
of uh, tiny infants who, who need it. Um, and that's because some uh, babies, uh, and this is an interesting conversation uh, that as a, a 30-something white dude with no children, I did not know much about. Um, uh, but I, I thought it was interesting that, that some kids uh, need this formula desperately because of, of different deficiencies they have. Uh, and it is a life or death type of thing uh, to be truly out of it. Um, but the other big part is that, and I explained this to the group I was, I was with over the weekend, uh, the Biden administration knew about this in February. And chose not to act, uh, chose not to do anything to to counteract the the tremendous amount of loss of product that the Abbott lab would cause uh, by having to recall its product and not immediately, I guess, uh, being forced to, to replace uh, that deficiency. So three months later, the fact that 70 percent of the nation's baby formula is out of stock, 70 percent, uh, and that that report from ABC uh, in Michigan uh, demonstrates mile long lines for some to to get products from volunteers who wind up empty handed as well, because even these departments, even these government organizations are running out of the supply uh, that they're trying to hand out to help uh, in this time of need. It's just surreal. Uh, and it's surreal mostly because uh, the current president and the current administration has failed on so many issues. And I I'm not even saying this to try to be biased. I'm not saying this to try to be on one side or any side of an aisle. It's, it's easy to go through a list. Of the things that have been failed by this administration, you can go back to Afghanistan and just one after another uh, point out these moments, uh, inflation, the way in which the administration from day one uh, tried to go after uh, oil and gas, energy, uh, and essentially created this vacuum, this world in which Russia would feel, I think, and this is now a personal belief more than anything else, I think Russia felt uniquely capable of doing something like invading Ukraine as the United States was going after its own energy supply, its own gas and oil, uh, something that Russia has a, a stranglehold on a lot of Europe in, a, in that specific um, uh, world, in that specific uh, uh, commodity. And so then you create this scenario where Russia knows no matter what it does, the UK, uh, Europe cannot really stand against them, maybe the same way the United States can because of how dependent they are on a supply. Of, of the energy needed for those countries. Uh, that was a decision by this administration. And again and again, the border is is in, insane in having a conversation about no matter what side of a political aisle you're on, how the failure is growing, how the problem is getting worse and worse and being ignored is, is shocking. Um, no matter what you choose to do, no matter how much you hate the last guy in office and the decisions he was trying to make in the world of our border, Doing nothing has to feel like the wrong decision. And now, and I think this is also interesting, just to jump to another issue, uh, Face the Nation invited anybody from the White House on over the weekend on Sunday uh, to talk about gun control, uh, something that, of course, this administration, this president, this side of the aisle, Democrats, uh, you would think would want to do. And again, uh, no matter how often this current president who won his, his run to the office by hiding in a basement... Uh, more or less, uh, and shuns reporters, shuns press conferences more than any president before him. Uh, I'm probably being a little bit of, I'm probably exaggerating just a tad, I should say, in saying it that way, but not much if I'm exaggerating at all. Uh, they just declined. They just said to face the nation, now nah, we, we don't want to make anyone available. We don't want to lead. We don't want to be at the forefront. And I'm not advocating for their ideas. I don't think gun control is the solution to the problem. I think getting way more information about what happened in Uvalde, why it happened in Uvalde, why a door was propped open, why the shooter was able to access the school after being outside for 14 minutes 
why the school resource officer was not there. And when they sped back to the scene, actually drove past the shooter uh, into the back of the school where a teacher was and engaged that person thinking they were uh, the shooter that had been reported. All of those things valuable in figuring out how to prevent tragedies uh, like last week's from happening again in our country. Uh, one of the things, though, again, that you would expect any leader of any party to do is be at the forefront of a conversation, not decline it entirely. And I just want to play this real quick quip, uh, clip from Face the Nation. The White House did decline our invitation for a member of the administration to come on the show today, saying they were leaving it up to Congress to act. They were leaving it up to Congress to act. I, I want to um, put this in context, at least the way that I, I perceive it. This would be like if, say, and this is an unfair comparison because the seriousness of the issue is not reflected in the in the uh, version of a scenario I'm going to create for you. I just want it to be as easy for as many of us as possible to understand and kind of our everyday life version of existence. So I think it's, it's valuable just for my mind uh, to share where I'm at by saying it this way. But I truly comprehend in no way, shape or form. For anyone that wants to send uh, angry letters to us, and they'd be to me, Craig Collins, Chad is off today. Don't send any to him. I will definitely be fired for them. But I would just say this. Uh, the reason I do it this way is because it's important to share uh, just how significant the gap is from what you expect of a leader, expect of the president of the country, expect of someone on a political side of the aisle that is demanding the biggest change in our society as a quote-unquote solution to the problem. Uh, but all of those things, the fact that you just decline interviews altogether, to me, would be like if you're having an issue in the workplace, your business is struggling, uh, you're seeing things trend downward, and the boss just declines to say anything to anybody. It's like, hey, boss, what should we do to fix our problem? Yeah, no, he's, he's unresponsive. He just left the office for the day. Uh, some of the other people that are in charge, technically, uh, they're going to try to figure out how we fix the problem. Uh, but the guy at the top of the mountain, uh, that guy has no interest in being uh, a vocal part of the solution. Uh, you would quit. You would quit that job and be sure that that business would fail. Uh, it makes no sense to me. Uh, again, whether or not this administration is just uh, afraid of the way to have this conversation, I'm not sure. Or just, again, as always, afraid of having any conversation for any reason. I mean, let's look at gas prices. Uh, I saw Gas Buddy representatives popped up on CNN. I know Gas Buddy has been on this show or other shows uh, all over the country. I thought it was fine to just play this audio, though. Uh, the interview, essentially, uh, the interviewer asked, are we at the peak? Is this the highest that gas prices go over the holiday? A lot of people seeing really tough prices uh, as they obviously spike as a lot of Americans do travel from the Memorial Day holiday. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Gas Buddy's like, nah, we're, gonna, we're going upwards still. Uh, we don't see this ending at five bucks. Well, Christy, I don't think we've hit it yet. We did see oil prices make a noticeable jump here uh, yesterday um, in that uh, the wholesale price of gasoline shot up. And so I do think now we will continue after a little bit of a slowdown here in the last five days or so. We will likely see the national average starting to pick up steam again. That could happen as soon as this weekend. The national average now 461. It could head closer to 475. And as we progress beyond Memorial Day, I now peg our odds at $5 a gallon gasoline nationwide at 60%. So 60% that gas will be $5 per gallon nationwide um, toward the end of the summer. It is interesting, again, uh, to play back some audio uh, that I have of the president saying uh, that we are pushing ourselves toward a different society. Uh, we're pushing ourselves toward 
a different reliance on green energy and not this energy because it's very easy for a politician somewhere in our country and even the politician at the top of the, the political mountain uh, to say to most Americans that what we're doing is good uh, for the agenda or for us, whatever they think uh, it's good for when they're not going to be the ones to struggle in the same way as most Americans trying to deal with this. Uh, depending on where you live in this country, gas is well over five bucks uh, in some areas uh, and certainly hovering right around five dollars just about everywhere. Uh, as I traveled, I drove over the weekend. I paid about five bucks per gallon uh, where I was uh, throughout the entirety of my trip, which went through a, a couple different states. Uh, and I do think it's interesting uh, that as this just continues to rise yet again, uh, much like on any other issue, uh, even the issue of gun control, where Democrats have a very specific a set of goals and beliefs as a as a political party. Uh, the president, nowhere to be found as far as the solution goes. And actually, I'll play this as one other example of that. Uh, this was on Fox News on Sunday. Uh, this is Democratic Senator Ben Cardin. Uh, he has asked the same kind of question, the same kind of thing. What solution do we have? Uh, how does inflation get under control? How do we prevent these sky-high prices of things? And what I I hate, and I'll say, I almost wanted to say love, but I love in the way that I think it's ridiculous and 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 just dumb, and I kind of laugh at it uh, because otherwise I'd, I'd have other reactions, uh, is the way that Democrats field this question now is just summarizing the question back to the person and feeling as though they've then answered it. How do we get this under control? Yes, Americans are struggling with paying these prices. Back to you is essentially the response. Here you go. And millions are hitting the road for the holiday weekend, sir, and they're paying record high gas prices. Truckers are feeling the pain. Grocery bills are sky high. What is the plan, sir, to bring these prices down? Well, Sandra, I agree. I mean, we have uh, American <laughs> families are confronting pricing. I, I agree with the thing you, you said to me. I agree that that's a problem. And I'm going to start to tell you and I'm going to show you. I, I don't know. You know what I think this is, actually, uh, right before we take a break? I think this is Democrats believing, much like in any other argument we'd have in our everyday lives, like an argument you have with a loved one, uh, that if you just accept the version of events they said, you're like, yeah, you're probably right about some of that stuff, that that's enough. That the American people be like, oh, good, they get it. No, we don't. We don't feel good about the idea that those in charge understand this is a problem because you're doing nothing to fix it. I know that's a familiar narrative right now, a familiar way of stating something, uh, but it's just simply true. In a wide majority of issues, Democrats will demand action on gun control, but just ignore action on several other issues to help the everyday American live life. Uh, in a way that that doesn't make more and more people incapable of things like paying for gas to get to jobs. Uh, but here, a little bit more of just summarizing that I see the problem. I understand there's a problem. Solution? Ah, let's get to that later. Increases. They're having a hard time uh, dealing with their family budgets. Energy costs are, are way too high. The president is taking some steps to ease that by the release of our reserves. That has barely done anything, and you know it, sir. We recognize the international circumstances of war in Ukraine, and the energy prices are not determined here in the United States. It's not our fault, is what you go into. You say, I get it. This is the way you fight a loved one when you want the fight to just end and you don't necessarily want to do anything different. You say, I get it. You're right about this stuff. These are problems that we have, problems that you've noticed and I accept. But also, here's why they're not my fault. And then thank you very much. Sip my coffee. Uh, go about the rest of my day continuing to do nothing. I think it's wrong. 
for Democrats to demand action, action that might not work on one specific issue and behave as though politically uh, that to do anything other than to act would be at the detriment to our society um, when also allowing in situation after situation that exact thing to play out, failing to act, tremendous detriment, baby formula, inflation, the border uh, to our society. Ignore is the Democratic response on many issues. Ignore on one issue is the um, is the accused response toward Republicans from Democrats on the gun debate. A quick break. A lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson show. Chad is the hard work, hardest working guy in radio, though. Even when he has a day off, he has important information about all different kinds of things. Here's Chad with another message. Why don't traditional diets work? Because you can't fight your biology with willpower. Calibrate is different. Calibrate's not a diet. The Calibrate program is designed to achieve metabolic health and treat the underlying biology that contributes to weight. Calibrate is a comprehensive, fully integrated program combining doctor-prescribed, FDA-approved medication, one-on-one video coaching, in-app tracking, and a community of members like you. When you start your Calibrate journey, you'll find a team that's with you every step of the way. Calibrate's earliest members lost an average of 14% of their body weight, exceeding the 10% average seen in clinical trials. Get back in control with Calibrate. Get 50% off the one-year metabolic reset when you use promo code CHAD at joincalibrate.com. That's $50 off when you use code CHAD at joincalibrate.com. Your weight doesn't reflect your willpower. Visit joincalibrate.com today. If you like talk radio like Chad Benson likes his meals, you've come to the perfect place for takeout. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, well, her husband was arrested over the weekend for a drunk driving charge, a DUI. Uh, Her husband, Paul, was arrested in California. Uh, Bail was set at $5,000. The Speaker's office has refused to comment about the incident, other than to say that this is a private matter. I have to be honest, I am in no way, shape, or form happy uh, whenever I hear that anyone chooses to drink and drive because of how dangerous and reckless uh, that is. However, I will be very intrigued uh, to see how the story itself gets handled moving forward, uh, since it is something that does matter. Uh, It is something where you do look for a response from the politician involved, when it's a loved one that's that close to her, uh, that important of a family member and the the husband. Um, And you do wonder, as Pelosi has acted time and again, although uh, she uh, demands so many things from our society, she behaves above all those things constantly. Uh, She gets her hair done when she tells everybody else to close down the salons. Uh, I will be uh, very, very captivated moving forward as to how, if anything is ever mentioned, handled, discussed, uh, about this uh, from uh, the speaker, the House Speaker, uh, because again, it does matter. And Nancy Pelosi, of all people, had this happen to a uh, person on the other side of the political aisle, would attack something like this relentlessly. Uh, talk about how it's a demonstration of values that don't exist on some side of the political aisle, or values that don't exist with those that she demands uh, change this or do that. All the things uh, that she uh, feels are wrong as some uh, uh, Democrats do on on many occasions with the other side of the aisle. Uh, This has to be something uh, that gets more attention, media attention, and gets discussed. 
uh, even if it is uh, not the House Speaker herself, but her husband uh, caught doing something this this bad. As I said, a $5,000 bond was set, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the court case itself will still be played out. Uh, the Speaker better respond. Uh, more Craig Collins filling in in the Chad Benson Show after this. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. Department now saying they're going to launch an incident review. And let me read for you verbatim while we're getting on this, because I think it's important to take you through this. Um, the U.S. Department of Justice today releasing the following statement at the request of Uvalde Mayor Don McLaughlin. Uh, the U.S. Department of Justice will, in fact, conduct a critical incident review of the law enforcement response to the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas. The goal, they say, of this review is to provide an independent account of law enforcement actions and responses that day and to identify lessons learned, as they say, and best practices to help first responders prepare for and respond to active shooter events. The review will be conducted with the department's Office of Community-Oriented Policies, and this will obviously, as they go on to say, be an independent review. Now, I want to reiterate, right, this is not them saying they are launching an investigation. This is an incident review by the Department of Justice. An investigation could subsequently come next. That is very interesting, by the way. Uh, Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Uh, That is MSNBC reporting. Um, People on all sides of political aisles in the worlds of uh, both, I would say, media and uh, politicians uh, demanding all kinds of different, uh, whether it's information about uh, the horrific events of last week or just uh, beyond that, uh, beyond the demand to understand a lot more as to what happened. Uh, I think there's a lot more of a push now, at least I've seen over the weekend, uh, to kind of point to uh, failures uh, in this scenario uh, that caused um, the the awful, awful um, mass shooting to take place at a school, as opposed to what some politicians, certainly politicians on the left, are going to say, uh, a need for just gun control and gun control only to be a solution to the problem. Uh, it makes sense to me uh, that you get organizations involved, as many as possible, for independent reviews, uh, independent assessments of what happened. Uh, because if we do want to stop things like this, uh, and some of the planning that was in place that was uh, not actually followed, not just the response of the cops, by the way, the fact that a, a store was propped open at the school by a teacher a little bit before the student or the uh, shooter, excuse me, got in, uh, those things matter. Uh, to uh, changing the way in which our country tries to fight back against something as awful as the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Um, And I I think it does, again, to me, need to be a part of the conversation that some are just going to ignore uh, in the world of of politics. All right, I'm going to move on. There's other things in the news. I thought this was interesting. Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, certainly an outspoken person on her side of the political aisle, uh, someone who at times says stuff that you're like, oh, yeah. Nobody's saying that. That that seems interesting. And then other times says stuff where you're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> At least some of us. Uh, you don't need to say that. You don't need to go there. Uh, she got uh, ridiculed 
uh, on social media uh, on Sunday for the way in which she uh, pronounced a word. Uh, and it does seem uniquely odd <laughs> that she might have grown up and, and thought that this word was pronounced the way in which she said it. And maybe I'll play the audio first to see if you catch it uh, like so many on the Internet did. I do think that when we truly dislike politicians, if you're on, say, the left or the right and the person on the other side that is just ridiculous all the time, does anything that you can pick apart, you go after it. Uh, AOC, an easy target often uh, for people that that feel like she's crazy and or very performative, uh, which she certainly is. Uh, but I thought this was interesting. Um, as I said, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, making statements about uh, the government's plan to uh, get more involved or, or um, understand uh, and invade our privacy in certain ways, uh, making a reference to cheeseburgers uh, that you might consume and whether or not the government might have something that they could zap you with uh, for said she None of that's actually the problem uh, to the people that are reacting to this. Uh, it's just, again, as I said, the way she pronounced a word. I did find it funny, though. I apologize to those who love this uh, politician. I did. I did find this unique because, like, here's the last thing. I don't know how often you use this word in your everyday life, but I would assume it's happened before this moment, that it's not the first time she's spoken this word out loud, although maybe it is. And every single person in her life that heard it decided not to correct her. And it got to this. It got to this moment where you're doing a live thing and you're throwing it out there in the world. Um, or maybe she just misspoke. Maybe it was a moment where she she said it accidentally the way she did. I've built this up a lot. Let's just get it played. You have to accept the fact that the government totally wants to s provide surveillance on every part of your life. They want to know when you're eating. They want to know if you're eating a cheeseburger, which is very bad because <laughs> Bill Gates wants you to eat his uh -huh. fake meat that grows in a peach tree <laughs> dish. So Wait, what? <laughs> What, what was that? What did you say there? What was very bad because Bill Gates wants you to eat his fake meat that grows in a peach tree dish. So you'll probably get a little. All right. Now, look, uh, the Internet heard peach tree dish. I don't know if you heard Petri dish. I don't know if you heard peach tree dish. I can play it one more time for you. But again, like I, I've known people who pronounced a word wrong for a long time. I think I've been that person at times. So it, it is human. It does. It does happen. Uh, but usually at some point, someone who uh, likes you corrects you. And I don't know why uh, this was never a correction unless it is just misspoken, uh, because it does sound like maybe it's fumbled as well in there. Uh, but this, by the way, uh, and the reason I'm even talking about this at all on a Memorial Day holiday, uh, a holiday in which I, I want to uh, try to not necessarily just dwell on all the, the negative and difficult things going on in our society um, uh, the reason I focus on this at all is the internet obsessed about this over the week. And that's what the internet does. That's what Twitter does. Questions whether or not Marjorie Taylor Greene knows how to say Petri dish. Burger, which is very bad because Bill Gates wants you to eat his fake meat that grows in a peach tree dish. So you'll probably get a little zap. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm annoyed. I'm uh, not annoyed. I'm, I'm amused uh, by the totality of this kind of thing and how these things go viral all the time. I might be alone there. I, I'm not really worried about that. I don't care. Um, but Chad will be back after the holiday. Just so anyone's uh, anyone who's worried uh, needs to know again. Uh, a woman pranked her sister at a wedding and had it backfire pretty hard. Uh, she went on a page I like a lot. Uh, it's on Reddit. It's called Am I the Jerk? Uh, that's how I always say it. It's a different word that starts with an A. Uh, but you can just go there anytime you want and see people willingly throwing up scenarios that did happen, I assume, in which either they or someone else involved is probably being a jerk, and the internet gets to decide who really was uh, the crappy person here. Uh, the internet definitely not in favor of this woman 
Uh, she is 23. Her sister is 27. Her sister got engaged a couple years ago and I guess got married recently. Uh, so the 23-year-old sister was like, you know what? Uh, even though there's some things going on, uh, maybe some problems in our relationship, I want to try to make a hilarious joke at the wedding, a joke that we'll talk about for years to come, a joke that everybody will love, at least in her mind. And and once I do it, it'll just be the talk of the town at the reception. Uh, I don't know why I'm telling you this story other than, again, as I say, to escape some of the serious news of the day and because I personally was entertained by this. So the woman at the wedding uh, during the moment where they say, if anyone has any objection, let them speak now or forever hold their peace, stood up and spoke. And she said, I object. And she just kind of yelled it uh, according to her scenario. And then she paused uh, because any good joke, uh, as Biden or anyone else apparently seems to know, and I'm being sarcastic as I say that, uh, you need a nice pregnant pause in there. Uh, as everybody looked back, as the sister's uh, face, according to this younger sister, uh, the one getting married, just the blood drained out of her face. She just looked mortified in the moment. Uh, the sister then followed up with, "These, this couple is too cute to marry each other. And you know what I love about this, and I wish I had the audio of it? The description after that is kind of the same way that when Biden makes a joke, like no one laughs. No one finds the moment funny. Everybody just sits there. You maybe have one guy in the back like, ha, 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 trying to force it. And then maybe someone applauds. And then we move on. It sounds like that's what happened in this moment. She said they're too cute to get married. The entire congregation ignored it and just kind of turned around and went back. I would leave the wedding. I'm going to be if I was the sister in this scenario, if I took a swing like that at a public joke and it missed that hard, I would excuse myself. I would put down whatever items I need to put down, sort of like throwing your shoes off if you're on a pickup basketball game and someone does something that feels like the game is truly over. You need to be gone the rest of the day. Uh, you can come back in maybe in disguise if you want to see part of the reception, but but you should probably just go. Uh, but she asked, who was the jerk? Uh, me or my sister for acting as though it was terrible. Uh, I guess this younger sister blames her older sister for not laughing. If she found it funny, maybe everyone would have. I don't know if that's true, uh, but I just love the fact that she wondered, are people overreacting? I think no. I think that uh, comedy is comedy. Uh, I miss on jokes and I live with them. I think we all have to. Our president misses constantly, as I said. Uh, but this sister uh, probably, again, uh, should not have shown her face again. Uh, maybe you can like FaceTime in uh, to part of the reception to say hi to different uh, family members. Uh, but you just got to You just got to go. You just got to uh, walk it off. Uh, one last thing before I take a quick break. Uh, Maverick, uh, Top Gun Maverick uh, made one hundred and fifty one million dollars at the box office. Thirty eight million on Saturday. Uh, thirty two million. Um, uh, thirty two and a half million on Friday. I guess it made a little bit more than it was even expected to make and may now be the largest grossing movie ever over the Memorial Day weekend uh, in Hollywood history. Inflation probably helped it get there. I didn't see this movie. I heard great, great things from a lot of people about it, though. Uh, and it actually has fairly good reviews from critics. So it seems like a must-see. But it, it is weird. I want just one thing. And maybe most people don't care about this either. But, hey, we're doing it, and then we'll take a break. Uh, I didn't want a Top Gun sequel. I, I didn't want it for a variety of reasons. Uh, not that I think the first movie is all that great, but I do have fond memories of it as a kid when I first saw it. Um, and yet, apparently, it's yet it's going to be successful enough for more and more of these to get made, and there's already been a bunch of them made. So I wonder how many swing and misses, how many versions of the joke that that sister told at the uh, wedding uh, we're going to get as movies 
as sequels to things we don't really want remakes of. There is one that I think would be absolutely wrong to remake. Uh, and even after uh, Ray Liotta passing away over the the uh, last week, I think even more so now, if anyone makes like a Field of Dreams 2, I'm going to box it up and be done with Hollywood. I would, it, I swear, I care way too much about that baseball movie. Probably not the movie people were thinking about. I wish Godfather 3 never happened as far as other, other things I wish could go away. Uh, but if anybody makes a Field of Dreams 2, I'm done, Hollywood. Uh, and I, you probably don't care. Uh, but that's, that's my, my version of cancel culture. Uh, and I don't think it's going to work. All right, quick break. A lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Called PresidentialElectionProject.com. Go check them out, Presidential Election Project. And I'll tell you what, it's amazing. We do not want to see a repeat of 2020. People screaming at Mike Pence to do something that he couldn't have done. The reality is the Electoral Count Act of 1887 is too vague. How about work with Presidential Election Project and find out how we can clearly define the role of the vice president, ensure that the role is beyond questions. Everything's clarified. The role of the VP should be made clear, period. Case closed. End of story. States should do their jobs timely, deciding election results. Congress should respect each state's lawful results. Find out all the amazing work they're doing by going to presidentelectionproject.com. Now, learn more. Take the first step in ensuring that Kamala Harris, she can't do anything. And neither can any other vice president. And don't ever put them in a position to have to make that kind of decision. No, no, no. That's presidentialelectionproject.com. Podcasts are American as hot dogs, apple pie, football, and sushi. Uh-uh. Oh, my goodness. No. Okay, maybe not sushi. Next time you have a craving for something sweet and tangy, download a Chad Benson Show podcast. Ooh, boy. That is good. It's different because you get a little bit of saltiness. It's so good because it's sweet and salty at the same time. Get a taste on iTunes, iHeart, or Spotify and binge to your ears content. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad will be back after the holidays. Uh, A new study says that you probably need sleep. Uh, Most Americans uh, need some uh, amount of extra sleep. Uh, One in three actually don't get enough sleep uh, medically uh, as defined uh, by, I guess, science is seven hours or more a night. Uh, That is per the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, uh, the CDC, uh, which now whenever I reference, I, I laugh. Uh, through my reference because of the amount of things that have been questioned uh, that come from the CDC. Uh, The average American adult slept 7.9 hours a night in the 1940s. Uh, That has dropped significantly over the years. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. It is now 6.8 hours a night to just under uh, the 7 plus um, that uh, you need. Uh, Several reasons why, I guess, according to medicine, obesity, depression, anxiety, uh, and then even actually worries of more uh, legitimate illness are things that might keep you up at night. Also, lack of sleep also drives individuals' cost of health care. Uh, so it's definitely something that fixing, I guess, would lower our overall uh, cost for health care. I thought it was interesting, though, because like out of all the suggestions here, uh, the, the experts said in order to get more sleep, uh, there was one that didn't really pop up, or at least didn't pop up anywhere near as high as I expected it to, uh, which was get your cell phone out of the bedroom. Uh, which is something that people tell you all the time. And I think the absolute biggest reason that Americans probably struggle now more than ever 
uh, with sleep, and it's almost impossible to do. Uh, my cell phone goes with me everywhere. Uh, one of the more amusing moments uh, in my life for the life of many, and this is probably gross, and I will say it quickly, and then we'll move on, is if you have to go to the restroom, you plan on spending a little bit more than a, a minute or so in there, uh, you usually have to get the cell phone. <laughs> I know a lot of people, and I'm admitting being one of them, uh, that wants the phone. You don't want to go to the restroom without it, uh, again, if you're if you're planning on a, a longer stay. <laughs> uh, the same seems to be true of going to sleep. Uh, most people, when they're getting ready for sleep, still have the cell phone, set up the alarm, and then maybe read some stuff. Uh, my wife and I, last night, after traveling for the holiday, uh, were trying to go to bed early, uh, and that did not happen because both of us sat up next to each other, kind of talking a little bit, but mostly uh, reading stuff on our on our phones. I was researching stuff for the show. At least that's my excuse, uh, filling in today for Chad Benson. Uh, Benson, uh, I also saw this uh, real quick. New alopecia drug regrows hair in 40% of patients. I don't want to throw it out there uh, for anyone that, that would go look for this because it's not FDA approved, one. And two, I, I don't know. I feel like these stories come along every so often. As a guy that, that thinks I, I will be more and more follically challenged as I age, I'm already seeing some of these problems pop up in my mid-30s, and I feel like they're only going to get worse. Uh, a cure for uh, balding, a cure for things like alopecia uh, are certainly uh, things that a lot of society would be happy happy to see. But what I thought was more interesting, the reason I mentioned this uh, just before we take a break, is that in the article about it, in the article trying to tell the world or at least tell our country that, hey, maybe there's a treatment that'll work for 40% of patients, regrow 80% of your, your hair in the first year, it mentions Jada Pinkett Smith. This story will never go away. It's like this condition, which is, of course, suffered by famous actress Jada Pinkett Smith, whose husband, Will Smith, slapped Chris Rock across the face at the Oscars, uh, is maybe something that in the future uh, will prevent things like that from happening. That's a direct quote. So thank you, Medicine, for stopping Will Smith from slapping people. Uh, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Uh, lots and lots of things to talk about. Uh, in the world of baseball, Giants manager Gabe Kepler is deciding to protest uh, what's going on in our country, uh, protest uh, whether it's uh, violence or the lack of change, whatever he thinks change should be uh, in our society to address things like the Uvalde shooting. Uh, he's doing it very similarly to the way that Colin Kaepernick, who recently got a workout, I think, uh, for an NFL team. I can't remember which one. I'll get back to that in a second. Um, the Raiders, thank you for that. Producer Phil helping me out on top of it. Um, uh, but Gabe uh, is going to sit in the dugout during the um, the national anthem as a protest. Uh, several baseball managers, apparently interviewed over the weekend, said that they support Gabe and his uh, desire to protest the Uvalde shooting in the way in which he chooses to do it. Uh, one 
legendary manager, not a fan. Uh, Tony La Russa uh, is critical um, and one of the few, as I said, among uh, among the peers uh, to say that uh, where I disagree is that the flag and the anthem are not appropriate places to try to voice your objection. This is La Russa. I think you go directly to what the cause that really bothers you about the direction of this country is. So to me, it isn't the flag and the anthem. I think it makes more sense to figure out which of those issues and speak about the ones he didn't like and what he will do about it. I think this is tremendously important, as I imagine many people listening today do. Um, I'm not sure why uh, in the first place Kaepernick and now obviously uh, uh, Gabe Kepler uh, believe that the right approach to protesting is something that's certainly attention grabbing but something that disrespects a lot of individuals not involved at all in this conversation by choosing to respect the to disrespect, excuse me, the totality of our country and those who serve and fight to protect us in the military and who've done so uh, for the entire existence of this country in order to raise awareness on any issue is wrong, no matter how valuable that issue might be to people in our society, whatever the issue is. I think that this version, as many people do, of protest is simply wrong. And I think that if you meet or discuss this type of idea with any veteran, and on Memorial Day, of all things, too, uh, to decide to do this and to announce this over the weekend, um, but in, in reality, to, to talk to anyone who served and fought for us, uh, people who've, who've had lifetime injuries because of it, if you go, say, to a, a veteran's home, and you talk to um, people that are living there, people that have struggled at times throughout their lives. But the thing that I've always been moved by, this is the thing I'm most moved by by the military, and I'm happy to share this on a holiday like today, is the lack of regret that exists from the military I talk to about the service they provided to our country, to our society, to the freedom of the people who live in the United States, no matter how difficult their life was after getting out of that, that time and service, um, mostly as I'm thinking about it, the individuals I've met that move me the most, although all move me, are those who have been injured to a degree that life utterly changed for them. Uh, people who are now, uh, say, wheelchair bound specifically. To disrespect those individuals, to raise awareness on any issue, seems to me to be not at all the intention of, uh, say, this manager or even, say, Kaepernick, I think at some point. Um, it's not necessarily the intention, but they just don't care. They just don't take the extra step to think of it that way. And instead, the way in which it's contemplated is, all right, this will work. This will raise awareness to an issue that I deeply care about, an issue that a lot of Americans uh, deeply care about. Uh, when children lose their lives in devastating, uh, awful things like a school shooting, most Americans care. Uh, but to dedicate yourself to a cause that tries to fix that problem uh, is to me much more honorable than choosing to disrespect the military, the flag, all the things it stands for in the national anthem in order to get that awareness out there into the world. I just don't get why it's appropriate for some to connect these these two scenarios, connect any two scenarios, I should say, in order to to make the uh, protest as impactful as possible. There's a tremendous amount of ways that someone with a platform uh, from being a, a major league baseball manager could do uh, to talk about, to discuss. Uh, Steve Kerr went viral for the things he said and did. Steve Kerr, of course, also supports uh, this decision. Uh, but I just think it's importantly valuable to remember. It's, it's, it's utterly important, I should say, to remember uh, that the way in which you're raising awareness now 
is to put your uh, nose up to or do even worse to so many of those who serve and protect, who do give our lives for the country as criticism on a national level uh, starts to, to rise to the Uvalde Police Department and why they did or didn't do the things they did. Most officers now saying that they hated the decision as much as most Americans did and wish they had been allowed to go in to try to protect those students much sooner than when they finally did breach that door at that school. Um, those military individuals, uh, the reason for a holiday like this, gave their lives uh, in, in the belief that our country and the freedom of our country was important, as it absolutely is to all of us. So again, to, to choose that moment and that way to raise awareness to any issue, no matter how valuable it is, to me will always be utterly wrong. And it also takes away from the message because now so many that get mad at you might actually agree with you. I, actually, I'll, I'll say that last in my idea about the totality of this is that usually in order to raise awareness successfully, to win, say, an argument, whatever it might be on whatever scale, uh, I guess with society or just even one individual, the worst way to start is to make the other side so upset about the position you're taking, about whatever it is you're doing, and upset about a disconnected issue, upset in a way that distracts from whatever conversation you are trying to have. All right. In other news, shifting gears, uh, certainly trying to be a little bit less serious uh, on a day like today, uh, less serious with all the news we've seen for a while. I saw something go viral on social media uh, that I loved a lot. Um, this person went on a date. Uh, this person was then very upset about her date that she went on with, I, I believe, probably like someone you met on one of the dating apps. Uh, the reason why, uh, and I can't get over this, is because the woman accused the guy she was on a date with of cooking uh, her dinner and then also cooking his dog dinner and having the dinner for the dog be better. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. If it's an early date, uh, apparently the woman had um, complained to this guy that she's uh, just meeting or at least maybe only met a couple times of having some intestinal issues, uh, some acid reflux and some other things that she has that she struggles with. Uh, so she can't eat a lot of different items. Uh, but she told him that when he said that he was going to prepare her a meal. So he made her a very bland meal. Uh, he made her something that had uh, a, a lot of, I guess, uh, items that that. And actually, this is my favorite part of the story. Actually, this is how I should say this. Uh, when she arrived for the date and the guy was cooking, uh, she saw the man preparing steak, eggs, potatoes, corn on the cob, all kinds of delicious items. Uh, and then as he gets uh, to the end of the process of cooking this food, and again, I'll remind you, steak, eggs, potatoes, corn on the cob, he serves a plate of that food to himself and a second plate of that food to his dog. And then he gives the woman a pasta salad. I... I <laughs> I'm sorry. This is probably not woke to laugh as hard as I am at this idea. I kind of get where the woman gets mad as I see the description here. But if you tell somebody you have you have food issues, you can't eat some things and he wants to play it safe and maybe doesn't know you that well. Maybe that's the road you go. I do wonder. Here's the thing, because uh, this is the only way that I definitely 100 percent excuse the behavior in the guy. I laugh either way, uh, but I excuse it in this scenario. Let's say he ran out to go shopping. He picked up the food items that he wanted to pick up and had them all ready to go to be prepared. And some point late in the process of all this, the woman lets him know that she has she has certain food restrictions that are going to come into play for the dinner he's he's uh, planning to make for her. If that happened late in the game, then maybe the guy goes through with preparing the meal the way he anticipated to make it for two people. But person number two becomes his dog. And then he made a safer second option 
uh, for the woman that told him that she's going to struggle with certain foods. Um, I feel like if that's the scenario that played out, it's not his fault. It's hers. I don't have all the details, though, as is often the case when people share stories like this in social media and certainly the woman complaining and a whole lot of people who said that she's in the right to get as upset as she did about watching a steak dinner be provided to a dog. Uh, well, she gets some uh, sweet, sweet. I mean, and maybe it was good pasta salad. We don't know. Uh, no update there. Uh, but I do wonder, again, as I said, uh, how it all played out and why it would happen the way it did, because I, I do think it's important as we talk about this uh, to remember that, you know, uh, uh, plans can change throughout. Uh, but it is it is a funny image one more time uh, to see a guy create a dinner that sounds that great, a uh, steak and all and then turn it toward an animal. Maybe he just isn't interested. Maybe that's his version of, I know a lot of people ghost nowadays. I've heard such things as a married guy. I've, I've not been in the dating world for a while, uh, but this would make you want to be done with a relationship. So maybe it was a purposeful move. Uh, that's my last guess. All right, I, I got to take a break. A lot more coming up on the show. Uh, Craig Collins filling in for Chad Benson, but Chad is the hardest working guy in radio. So even when he's off, he actually still does stuff which I find amazing. Here he is with a message about MyPillow. MyPillow has massive discounts right now. Blowouts of the MySlippers. Incredible. $90 savings. Regular price, $139.98. Yours, $49.98 with promo code Benson. So you're going to want to go to MyPillow.com slash Benson. Let me tell you about it. Took two years to develop these amazing four-tier cushion slippers. All right, you got the MyPillow patented fill, Comfort Memory Foam, Patented Impact Gel, Indoor Outdoor Sole. Tons of different styles and colors. Super incredible quality leather suede. Six-day money-back guarantee. One-year limited warranty. Get yours now. Save big. $90 off your MyPillow slippers. Go to MyPillow.com slash Benson. That's MyPillow.com slash Benson. Check out all the BOGO that's still going on. Buy one, get one free extravaganza. But grab these slippers. MyPillow.com slash Benson. Or call 800-983-4975 today. Fear and white male privilege to me. I do often out myself verbally as a gender. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm proud to be a gender. Are you stupid? <laughs> Ruben! What? Are you kidding me? Not a great way to use your white privilege. Some people get it, some people don't. You're listening to The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Um, I couldn't figure out why The Rock was going viral uh, the other day on social media. And then I guess this is the answer to the question. And uh, I, I only bring this up because I have a couple buddies in my life who are huge fans of wrestling. And I don't mean to judge. If you're a huge fan of wrestling, that's fine. I've never totally understood the, the draw of the WWE, and I feel like I'm now going to get some enemies. Uh, now the hate mail is definitely coming. Chad Benson, I apologize. Uh, this is Craig Collins filling in uh, on the show um, because I know it's all a performance. I know it's not a real sport uh, compared to the others. I mean, I know that they're actually athletic and they, they do get hurt uh, doing the things they do, but it's more like going to a play, uh, a play that has a lot of really physical acrobatic things that occur, like a really challenging play. Uh, but it's not the same as watching a, a, another sport where the outcome is not predetermined. So I've never got it, 
and I apologize for it. And that's uh, probably the last thing I should say about that part of it. Uh, but The Rock was viral last night. Apparently, his daughter, her name is Simone Johnson, uh, is going to be a wrestler all her own. Uh, she's 20 years old. She signed her contract back in 2020. Uh, but then some stuff happened, so it took a little while. Uh, but anyway, apparently the other night, she gave her name, her official wrestling name, out there into the world. Ava Rain is the name that she will wrestle under uh, moving forward. Her name is Simone Johnson. I don't even know what the process would be like to pick the wrestling name. I don't know what you go through. The Rock uh, seemed like a pretty easy one, a pretty good one, of course. Uh, one that that actor actually was known by long after uh, he hung up the wrestling, what is it, boots? What are we, what are we talking about? The gloves? You hang up something, I imagine. But anyway, uh, his daughter now officially uh, a part of the uh, WWE and wrestling under the name Ava Rain. Uh, so good luck to her. Uh, also, though, I still don't get it. And uh, Facebook.com slash Greg Collins show or Chad Benson show if you want to explain to me why uh, it's such a, a great uh, entertainment uh, option. I got a bunch of buddies that do it all the time. Now, one guy made me go to a, a bar with him. This was in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, and actually, uh, they did like a whole... I forget what it was, some special event that they aired and there were a bunch of people there and it seemed like a good time to everybody else. I enjoyed the alcohol part, not the other part. Uh, that's on me. My favorite sport, baseball, for anyone that wants to go even further after me uh, and my favorite team, the Yankees. And now I've just given you the trifecta of ways to attack me on social media. Um, I saw this story uh, also online. I thought it was interesting. Uh, a woman said that she wanted to normalize removing your parents from your life. Uh, she wants to normalize actually specifically blocking your parents. I think this means on social media specifically, uh, but I think young people now uh, use those terms to mean the real world, which is its own problem in our society. The more that younger people who grow up on, say, things like the Internet or social media start to think that those rules apply in our everyday lives, the more broken we are as a culture, as a society. Uh, but this woman said the reason why, now you judge this, she wants to block her mom, quote unquote, and maybe not just it online, but in her life is because she bought her house from her mother. Uh, she bought her mom's house at market uh, price. Uh, but then after the purchase, Ma said uh, that it would be really great if she transferred the title back to the name of the mother so that the mother could gift the house to the younger brother who was, quote unquote, more deserving. Uh, this is apparently according to the woman, again, who went viral uh, for the story. I'm not sure. Uh, what other parts are out there? Because, well, uh, when you share the story yourself, you don't give all of the context to it. Uh, but if ever there were an example of uh, our parents, our mother has a favorite child, uh, the version of story that this woman told is probably this. Uh, one, I don't know why she bought her mom's house. I don't know if mom's going through some financial things or just planning on moving out. And this daughter was like, I don't want to lose this house. I want it to stay in the family. I don't know what it is. Um, but she said that during the hot housing market, uh, that this was a valuable way to go ahead and throw around some money. Uh, but then also, apparently, again, Ma thought the wrong kid got the house. Uh, I have nothing uh, to say other than I, I guess I would normally support uh, the actions of this woman to say that, yeah, you can get upset with a loved one. You can push back on, on something they choose to. And especially if it's a, a significant amount of money that's thrown at a, a thing like this, and then the, the break happens that way. But I just need more details. Uh, like so many stories out there in the world, I want even more information uh, before I come to a, a full conclusion. But I'm leaning pretty heavily in a certain direction outside of also being afraid again uh, that that woman uses the term block as if that's the way she she handles her real life. Uh, if she like walks down the street, someone says something she doesn't like and she says block out loud. 
and then keeps walking past that person, I think there might be some some broken things going on there. I also saw this story, and I thought it was, again, another one that uh, your reaction can be whatever it is. Uh, but a woman that showed up at a grocery store and saw someone else, a couple, uh, trying to roll out with a cart full of baby formula, snagged one of the baby formula packs out of the cart, and then a fight ensued, and the fight went viral online. Uh, people weighed in saying that, of course, the woman trying to take just one uh, formula for herself from a cart full of it from the, the other two uh, seemed to be in the right. With how bad things are getting, 70% of baby formula out on shelves across the country. Don't don't hoard stuff. I, I get the idea that some parents want to make sure that their children are okay. And in doing so, maybe you want to have a, a supply that's readily available. Uh, but you do have to understand there are other people who might be in the same boat, uh, like this woman said she was. And just getting one of that item uh, seemed to be more important uh, than not. So that's my PSA for the day again, I guess. Uh, Craig Collins uh, filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Quick break, a lot more in a bit. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. Uh, my name is Craig Collins filling in. Uh, I am debating in my own brain how I want to um, handle something uh, off air. Well, I, it's something here the way I should say it. I have some audio that I'm not sure I want to personally play on the radio. Um, and even so, filling in on a show uh, makes me even more doubtful uh, but what I'll say is, uh, Good Morning America put this out there already. Uh, Good Morning America aired footage of the chilling scene uh, in which uh, children are running from the school after police are breaking windows for them to get out of the school in Uvalde. Uh, and then actually also played some audio of one of the 911 calls uh, where, uh, and it's it's fairly mild in a, in a sense, um, but I can't get out of my brain. And I apologize for this as the reason to maybe not share it. I'm sure it's a, a bunch of other places, though as well as with Good Morning America, so you can definitely access it. Um, but uh, one of the children speaking to one of the dispatch officers, and that dispatch officer is heard saying, uh, Room 12, are we able to, is anybody inside the building at this, essentially relaying the message to officers that there is a child on the line, a child that's calling 911 and saying that uh, they are still stuck inside the classroom. Uh, I can hear the police next door. The child reportedly tells the dispatch officer, please send the police now. Uh, again, this is a connected room, a two portions of the same uh, classroom that the shooter hold themselves up in, and the shooter took the lives of 19 students and two adults in. Um, it is uh, profoundly valuable to get all of the details about what happened in Uvalde uh, so that the American people can understand how something like this uh, could happen. And I know it, it happens, and it's happened other times in our society, but with attempts at mitigation uh, measures in effect in Texas or in this school specifically, a resource officer supposed to be on the scene but wasn't. The school having only one uh, location in which you can enter it, 
Uh, but that not being true in this case, because a teacher had propped a door open. And it's not necessarily to, to point your finger and vilify uh, any one individual for, for any reason. I, I think, and I'll be honest about this, uh, even though this happens in our society as often as it does and devastates our country, uh, whether it's just a, a, a mass shooting or in this case, the, the takings of, of lives of little kids, um, I still think that a majority of us in a community that's never seen violence like this would say, oh, that can't happen here. Uh, although you probably now admit to yourself or to others, well, it could happen here, uh, but the odds of actually ever expecting or, or believing it to are so low uh, that I think you still behave as though it, it can't. So if you're a teacher that props a door open two days before a graduation and a day in which twice already uh, you've had award ceremonies where parents came to the school and were with their kids, uh, maybe there's reasons. Uh, and obviously we'll learn that those reasons need to go away and people need to not do this. Uh, and that is a, a lesson we have to learn from everything that we've seen in Uvalde, more so than the conversation politicians have about whether or not gun control specifically uh, solves our problem. But I, I just have to be honest again uh, that the most recent things being shared, the audio, uh, the video of kids running away, uh, continues to disprove the narrative uh, that, and I know that uh, some already have said this uh, even last week, uh, that the decision-making by the Uvalde police to not go into that room and to, to treat it as a barricaded suspect situation in which there was no risk to individuals and in which which you have time to wait for for backup to arrive uh, does not make sense and continues to make less and less sense. And we do need to hold those accountable, even if we are. Uh, and I certainly believe myself to be uh, someone who is pro-police, um, pro-military, pro all the different ways in which our society is, is bettered by uh, those who are willing to serve and protect it, even if we have an unfair expectation uh, although I'm not sure exactly how unfair it is, if that's the job you sign up to do, uh, to expect officers to give their lives uh, to save others, which is, I guess, at the core of this conversation. Uh, but I, I, I don't really want to play the audio of the child uh, calling 911, although Good Morning America obviously deemed it appropriate to play, and, and others do. I don't judge them on, on that, I guess, as odd as it sounds to say uh, certain things in the show today. Uh, it's just so heartbreaking to me to hear the voice of a young person uh, in a situation like that. But that call again uh, and many of the other ones demonstrate uh, that law enforcement should have been aware that there were kids alive and hiding uh, there. You certainly would know are kids that are, are bleeding and, and dying in the in the classroom. Uh, and there's a bunch of reasons and all this different um, all the different ways, I should say, uh, that police are typically trained in handling an active shooter situation since Columbine have led toward one conclusion, stop the shooter as quickly as possible. Uh, this actually is the New York Times sharing this information too. Um, a, a reporter is highlighting all the different moments of training uh, that would have been provided to the Uvalde police as recently as December uh, to uh, demonstrate just how many of the things that they were taught to do were not done uh, for uh, this specific um, uh, instance and why or how those things could actually have occurred that way. One of the most jarring to me, uh, one of the ones that I do want to share on the show, uh, is a scenario, a specific practice scenario, uh, that anyone who goes through uh, active shooter training, or at least these individuals in Uvalde who participated in this, did go through uh, it's scenario number four, in which two cops are arriving to an active shooter in a school. Uh, one of those two officers is hit while pursuing the shooter. Uh, that is the scenario. 
Uh, a version of that seems to have played out in Uvalde, where a couple officers were were hit, not um, not injured uh, to the degree that they um, they're doing fine now. Is the way I should say it. They weren't mortally wounded, uh, but they were hit, and it's odd to even make that classification or clarification. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that in the training scenario, where two officers are are um, chasing a suspect uh, that is trying to take the lives of of innocent individuals, uh, that the second officer, the training says is supposed to continue to pursue alone. If one officer is injured, that officer should uh, fall back, tend to their injury, uh, but the other officer should continue to pursue. I, I should say in all of this, because uh, it, it's worth mentioning, and I think right now uh, our sensitivity to this conversation is so high, rightfully so, because of how horrific it is, that anything that sounds like a defense for for uh, the cops, the individuals involved, uh, will make a lot of people upset. Uh, but there have been several police officers that have come forward to say that they were frustrated, they were angry, and they were following orders, uh, being told not to breach that classroom um, while they were there. 19 officers with shields available in that hallway to try to subdue that shooter long before the decision is finally made. And this is the last thing that kind of shocked me uh, that's come out recently on this. Uh, apparently, even the uh, elite Border Patrol team that did inevitably... Um, uh, get into that room and and take that uh, a shooter's life, uh, uh, fix the situation, end the situation. Uh, they actually did it against local police's orders. Uh, the local police department also told them to stand down. Uh, they chose to not give a crap, uh, but, and uh, thankfully uh, so, they chose not to give a crap. Uh, I will say it's sort of shocking, uh, once again, that so many officers are coming forward saying, we, we felt like cowards, we disagreed uh, with this situation as well, uh, as America continues to weigh in. On this story. Um, but if you have a training scenario that plays out that teaches you, uh, teaches the police chief who was involved in that uh, training back in December and others, uh, that the way that you end a, a situation like this is to continue to pursue uh, the the uh, shooter, uh, the one trying to take lives, uh, I, I don't know how uh, the decisions were made the way they are. And then I guess the last thing I'll say, I don't mean to belabor these points as much as I do, but it's certainly an important topic. Uh, is that a, a real investigation, a true investigation, a transparent investigation, I think is going to occur, is occurring. Uh, and when that is completed, then and only then should I guess we have definitive answers or definitive reactions to what did or didn't happen and why. Uh, we rush so often now in our society to to know as many things as quickly as possible. We have an Internet expectation uh, for the way in which everything is reported to us nowadays uh, that we get it wrong a lot. Uh, we do not understand all of the aspects of things until the final version comes out. As long as the final version is truthful, it means something uh, to wait to hear it. But right now, a, a lot of questions and not a lot of valuable answers are certainly going on in the case of what happened there. All right. One other quick thing. Uh, this is just a a, a definite uh, deviation to something uh, utterly, utterly different. Uh, something that I thought was, was interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, former President Donald Trump gave a, a speech over the weekend, been doing a lot of rallies, a lot of different um, uh, conversations with crowds, uh, and he is one to do that uh, quite often. I don't think he's actually officially said he's running for president yet, but it's it's something everyone expects. Uh, he was in Wyoming. Uh, he put up a photo of Liz Cheney, although he did doctor it a bit. It had George Bush's face on it. Uh, and what I thought was really interesting about the viral audio that was out there is that um, uh, former President Trump uh, brings up the name Liz Cheney and the crowd just sort of boos relentlessly, uh, as you would expect, I think, a Republican crowd to do, not just a pro-Trump crowd, 
but many Republican crowds would boo that individual. And then you show the photo, and now it's a merger of several Republicans that I guess uh, this president is is not a fan of. Uh, you put uh, George Bush on Liz Cheney's uh, body, and uh, then the president comments that he thinks she looks pretty good in that photo. I will leave the rest of that to you. Uh, and my my uh, laughter at it, I guess, can be uh, your version of deciding whether or not I thought that it was just a jarring photo to see. Uh, whether you feel good or ba- bad about the way it's presented, uh, if you look it up, I think you will have a reaction uh, similar to mine. All right, quick break. A lot more. Uh, Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. But Chad, the hardest working man in radio uh, all the time, even when he's off, uh, which I find amazing. And I'm, I'm always impressed by him. Uh, he has a, a, a few words about Calibrate. Why don't traditional diets work? Because you can't fight your biology with willpower. Calibrate is different. Calibrate's not a diet. The Calibrate program is designed to achieve metabolic health and treat the underlying biology that contributes to weight. Calibrate is a comprehensive, fully integrated program combining doctor-prescribed, FDA-approved medication, one-on-one video coaching, in-app tracking, and a community of members like you. When you start your Calibrate journey, You'll find a team that's with you every step of the way. Calibrate's earliest members lost an average of 14% of their body weight, exceeding the 10% average seen in clinical trials. Get back in control with Calibrate. Get 50% off the one-year metabolic reset when you use promo code CHAD at joincalibrate.com. That's $50 off when you use code CHAD at joincalibrate.com. Your weight doesn't reflect your willpower. Visit joincalibrate.com today. I usually don't get into politics. As an ordinary suburban housewife, I feel a little disrespected. I teach my children not to name call. You are a blabbermouth! A blabbermouth! Come on, man! Um, guys, can we please keep the chatter to a minimum? Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be here with you. Uh, the Johnny Depp trial, the Amber Heard trial, uh, is officially over. Uh, and we await the decision-making there. Uh, what I think is interesting is Johnny Depp decided to perform over the weekend. He actually popped up at a concert with Jeff Beck, uh, performed music. Uh, he sang a few different covers of different songs. The crowd thrilled uh, to see Johnny Depp. Actually, also, uh, this is, I guess, sort of connected. Uh, Paul McCartney at a concert chose to play a video that included Depp and Natalie Portman. Uh, My Valentine is the name of the video. And the crowd cheered at that concert as well when they saw Depp. So the court of public opinion... Uh, certainly seems to be in favor of one of these two uh, very famous person in that persons in that televised, a uh, very long, uh, very odd for us to see so much of it, a uh, defamation lawsuit that uh, certainly grabbed the attention of lots of people. And there were moments uh, where Amber Heard seemed to definitively lie. I don't think anyone will know ever uh, with 100 percent certain certainty what occurred, even if we feel like we do. I don't think we will. Only uh, those individuals in God actually know uh, who did what at what time uh, in that relationship. And a lot of people who are probably fed up with Hollywood and the Hollywood elite uh, just think that all involved are kind of crappy. Whether all involved committed crimes, I I don't know. I I think a lot of people, as I said, uh, don't know. Uh, But certainly uh, people appear to be on Johnny's side 
What I thought was really interesting, though, about this uh, concert that happened, this uh, performing of different covers, is one of the songs that was selected, uh, John Lennon's Isolation, uh, and then actually one specific verse that's now been quoted on social media quite a bit, uh, in which Johnny sings, and he's supposed to be singing in a second-person perspective. Uh, If that's important to you, I want you to know that. I don't expect you to understand these are the lyrics, after you cause so much pain. And then again, you're not to blame. You're just a human, a victim of the insane. Uh, that is the song, one of the songs uh, Johnny Depp chose to perform. Uh, I will be honest about one part of that trial, that thing, uh, if you care at all. And I don't know how light of a topic this is, but at least it's something uh, different to talk about than some of the the seriously awful news that's out there in the world. Uh, but uh, if Amber Heard were willing to lie to the extent that she did, and many believe that to be the case, Uh, And I don't know exactly how the jury will find uh, that to be true. Uh, But to lie to the degree that she did. And the the one piece of audio that I think a lot of people seem to care about is a recording of Heard saying that no one will believe you uh, to Johnny Depp when uh, he was claiming that he was the victim of abuse and not her uh, because you're a man. You're an elite. You're a a famous man. So no one's ever going to believe that I am actually the perpetrator of said violence. Uh, If this all happened the way that, that most in the world seem to think or most... In society, do the court of public opinion again uh, seem to think uh, it's uniquely terrible and uniquely awful in how we actually understand and respond uh, to any version of these kind of things that that we hear about uh, moving forward. A lot of people say, wait for more information, wait for more information about a lot of things. Uh, don't jump to conclusions. Don't inherently trust uh, someone accusing someone else of doing anything uh, wrong, even if those things are sometimes hard to prove. Uh, But this is an interesting, and I don't know how much of a societal lesson we should learn, as I say, from any one court case or any one circumstance. Uh, But if someone of that high profile, that much celebrity, uh, were willing to make up fairly graphic things to the degree that she did, uh, just to make sure that she's not the bad guy and the other person is uh, in a situation like this, uh, I think it does change the way even our cancel culture uh, that so many of us actively already disagree with Uh, can even perceive truth uh, moving forward. But it is interesting uh, that Johnny Depp pops up at one concert, uh, also is featured at a different one, and in the world of music and the world of of so many different things is essentially thought of as absolutely the victim. Um, I will, as I said, continue to follow, I guess, uh, that story. I don't really even care uh, how much money anyone gets if they get money because both celebrities said it wasn't about money, even though Amber has yet to uh, pay some of the money she offered to give to charities. So I feel like for her, uh, she probably should eventually do that. Um, but it's interesting that both lawyers made the argument. They don't actually want the $50 million or $100 million they're trying to get from each other. Uh, they just wanted the true story to get out there. If that was the goal all along, and if the um, story that Depp wanted to tell it seems to be the story that a lot of Americans uh, heard, it seems to have worked better for him than for Amber. Uh, quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. 
This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Chad will be back after the holiday. Um, Jim Acosta is very much disliked, I think, by by a lot of people uh, because the way in which he typically conducts almost any conversation in which he thinks he has the moral superiority uh, or the morally high ground position in a debate is to be about as ridiculous as possible, about as as overly emotional. There's a lot of different versions of the Acosta conversation, the Acosta interview, uh, but a, a majority of the times it's had in like the most exaggerated fashion possible. And there's a big, long conversation that's gone viral uh, between Jim and an NRA board member. Uh, I will only play the tail end of it. I do think a point that's interesting in it, though, is when Jim says, don't you have blood on your hands? Uh, specifically, I guess, saying that uh, this member of the board of the NRA, uh, Judge Philip Journey, every member of the NRA, anybody uh, that believes in the Second Amendment at all, that's how far I'd take it, because I assume Jim means it to go that far, is somehow to blame for one individual choosing to do something horrific. Uh, the board member responded, I didn't pull the trigger. I didn't choose to harm anyone. Uh, so I do think it's that re- that uh, insane, uh, that uh, overly exaggerated version of conversation that makes some of these changes, whatever they might be, that people want to see in our society or, or don't want to see in our society, impossible to even start discussing. It's impossible to start discussing how we do something that protects the lives of children if one of the two members of this conversation is holding up uh, different uh, newspapers or doing whatever he's doing and essentially telling Judge Philip Journey, again, a member of the board of the NRA, that he is to blame for the shooting directly so, uh, that not many Americans, I think, would actually believe. But here's how the interview concluded. I got about a minute of audio uh, in which at some point, after several versions of the same types of conversations or same types of questions, uh, essentially blaming this individual for uh, someone else's actions, uh, horrific actions as they may be. Uh, he then actually tried to push um, um, Philip to uh, Judge Journey to uh, say that new things will change, that say that he he commits himself uh, to uh, doing the, the things that Jim thinks are the answer to the question to go ahead and stop something like this from horrifically ever happening again. Uh, here's where we pick up the last part of the conversation because I thought the answer leans into all the things I'm saying. And then the last part of the exchange is the most viral part that's being shared uh, today and has been shared even uh, since it happened uh, over the weekend on uh, all over social media. Right here, sir, that you will help get some semblance of gun safety sanity here in Washington. Could you make that commitment right now to do everything that you can? I, I, I would be happy to sit down and talk with just about anybody that won't insult me. Uh, The reality is that there are talks going on right now in Washington, as I understand it, in the Senate, and we'll see what they come up with. We need action because our our children are dying, sir. Our our children are dying, Judge. I'm sorry. That's all the time we had. But I I just have to say, I I just, you know, I think that you and your organization, honestly, I'm 51 years old. This has been going on for decades. And it just seems to me that the NRA just has to look into its soul. And I, I'm sorry to say it that way, sir, but no, you and not. your other board members need to look into your souls and see what can be done for these kids. These kids who keep dying over and over again, over and over again. I'm sorry. That's all the time we have. Judge, uh, thank you very I'm much for your time. This- <laughs> and they cut him off, by the way, after saying to look into your soul. Now, granted. I am not in any way, shape, or form trying to have a conversation or reaction 
uh, that discredits any of the emotional um, feelings that we would all have as Americans as to the horrificness of the story itself and the loss of life. It's just a a certain version of a uh, quote unquote professional, uh, which I guess I have to call Jim Acosta, who does an interview like this in this way. And as demonstrated by the the second to last answer, uh, the only answer they let him give at the tail end of this interview, uh, that I would talk, I would come to the table, I would have discussions about how we protect children because we both agree we need to do everything we can to make sure that happens. Uh, but not if the entire 10, 12 minute uh, conversation is just insulting me and telling me it's my fault and not really having any actual questions at all. And then that's how it ends. Uh, a, a pleading for the soul of an organization to react to uh, horrific news from last week. Uh, that is, as I said, about as emotional as, as uh, exaggerated, as ridiculous as we get. And we'll see no change. We will see no version of our society get better if the way that we have these conversations uh, with the individuals who might uh, be capable of, of listening, as this individual sounds very much willing to, to listen, uh, but every aspect of it just seems to be 100% uh, in the crapper. Uh, I don't know how to say it a better way uh, if we come to the conversation from a, I'm attacking you. And I do understand, again, the anger, the emotion of, of any conversation. I guess you expect even the opinionated and allowed to be opinionated pundits in the world to try to remove some of the emotion uh, in the con just a, a semblance of it instead of ramping it up in order to have the the talk in a, a meaningful way. Uh, one other thing that I thought was tremendously interesting, uh, the White House was asked to uh, have a conversation on Face the Nation about uh, gun violence, about uh, what should be done, how uh, this sort of thing should be prevented in the future. Uh, and then they actually, on Face the Nation, uh, were capable of just saying that the White House turned them down. The White House said, no, they don't have interest in having this conversation at this time, and they're waiting for members of Congress to act. I'll play the audio quickly. Um, I'm sure you can already predict what my reaction will be, but it, it is uh, shocking to me, no matter where you fall in this conversation. And I'm not trying to say that I support uh, the left in uh, what they're calling for as far as gun control as an actual solution to the problem. I don't think that that actually fixes the problem we face in our society at all. Um, but that is the solution that they ask for. And it's crystal clear, all Democrats and certainly the, the man who's supposed to be uh, the leader of that party at the top of the heap as our president now uh, would be able to make that or any of his staff uh, make that message crystal clear again uh, and help um, his side of the aisle uh, feel as though they have a a pitch to the American people that's easy to understand. Uh, but when you're not a leader, instead you do this. The White House did decline our invitation for a member of the administration to come on the show today saying they were leaving it up to Congress to act. <laughs> I, I don't laugh at the, the topic itself, and I always want to make that abundantly clear because I, I laugh a lot at weird things, and I apologize for doing it. It's who I am. Uh, I laugh at the ridiculous stance that a leader in a country could take, a leader of a party could take, that I'm not going to have an active voice here, at least for a day. And I know the president has spoken on these things a few times, uh, but choosing not to do interviews, not to um, let me let me equate it to this. Let me try a different example. And none, I want to always say this when I do this, uh, none are actually comparable for real uh, to the horrific thing that happened last week. Uh, but if we remember early on in the pandemic, uh, during everything that was uh, COVID and shutting down and, and everything else, uh, and the biggest reason I think that Dr. Fauci is accused of being a political operative is that he was everywhere. 
uh, owning the message, having the discussion the way you wanted to have it, being in control of the position uh, that then felt like very much was politically on one side and politically not on the other side was the approach that individual took, uh, even without being elected into his office, uh, to, again, uh, providing the message to the American people that he wanted them to follow uh, and then got attacked by it by those who thought it was the wrong uh, message. So whatever you think of Dr. Anthony Fauci, good or bad, and I know a lot of people think bad, uh, he chose, and he probably shouldn't have, uh, to be a leader in a moment, to to be the face of a thing, uh, which now he complains about a lot, uh, by the way, and says that he, he uh, if Trump were to get back in office specifically, would just resign and quit. Uh, but certainly even the Disney documentary uh, seemed to try to tell us uh, just how difficult of a life uh, Fauci has now. I would say something he chose to, to do uh, the way in which he did it. Uh, but our president, the person who is elected to office, uh, the person who is in charge, the person who's supposed to lead his party would rather be silent once again. I can't think of um, a president quite like this one, uh, a president who has failure after failure, instance after instance of where you can point to a way in which when they got involved, they did the wrong thing. Uh, Baby Formula, one of the most recent ones, informed in February, did nothing until May. The situation got real, real bad. 70% of the stock of Baby Formula uh, not on shelves in the United States right now sold out. But situation after situation, you can point to that. And then these other moments uh, where at least politically speaking, things are tremendously easy. The president or anyone in his staff, they have a crystal clear message to the American people, as most Democrats do, and they choose not to talk. I don't I don't get it. I, I do not understand. I know that most other politicians and their team would have said yes to an interview like that. Uh, it might be uh, blowing something little out of proportion, talking about it uh, in much grander terms, as the administration does probably have a voice moving forward and does say other things. Uh, but you would think they'd take every opportunity if they believed in this topic the way that they say to, uh, to make sure that that their pitch to the American people was as heard as possible. All right. Uh, I apologize for repeating myself again. I'm just shocked at the the way in which a couple of these things are handled. Not so much at Jim Acosta. Uh, never shocked by him, uh, which I think sometimes is what he's trying to get me to be. I have a quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. Chad, though, impressive as always. Hardest working man in radio. Uh, works even when he's on vacation. He's got a message for you about Rough Greens. My dog Doodle, Bowie, and Red are a part of my family. When I learned about health issues related to my dogs not getting the right nutrition, I was concerned. And that's why I'm a proud customer of Rough Green. Dogs need live nutrients just like we do. The good news is you don't have to change your dog's food to improve your dog's health. Simply add a scoop of Rough Greens and make even the best dog food better. Rough Greens is a powerful supplement with 20 essential vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, 15 probiotics, plus omega oils, and more. Everything your dog needs for superior health with a flavor that will have them licking the bottom of the bowl. I've worked out a special offer for my listeners. Rough Greens is going to let you try it before you buy it. Free. Just cover shipping, $8.95, and get a free bag of Rough Greens today. Visit ruffgreens.com slash chad or call 833-MY-DOG-77. That's 833-MY-DOG-77. Rough Greens. They make any pet food better. Roughgreens.com slash chad. Hashtag 
2022. Hashtag immigration reforms. Hashtag help. I'm trapped in a hashtag factory and I can't get out. The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Uh, my name is Craig Collins filling in lots of serious discussions, serious topics. Um, and obviously, even the holiday itself is one that is um, a certainly fun day to celebrate, but also a day in which we remember uh, a lot of the things that um, are the sacrifices that make our country so great. Uh, but because I don't want to uh, have the whole show feel as though it's serious topic after serious topic, I'd like to do something kind of silly here. Uh, if you'll bear with me, uh, it's something I've done before on other radio things I'm on. And I apologize to Chad in advance as Craig Collins filling in for him. Uh, go ahead and take a swing with a, a thing that I do regularly on some of my stuff. Uh, it's called clickbait confession. It's where I decide to apologize to you, other users of the Internet, for clicking on stories that probably didn't have a lot of value and probably only helped to make the Internet a cesspool, a worse place for us to be as story after story is just there to attract us to click on other things. Uh, and I understand that I'm doing something that's wrong, so I want to go ahead and do it as apologetically as I can. If that's a word, um, I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of music to let you know that I'm sincere about my apology, <laughs> and we'll get into it. I have two, two examples of stories I clicked on and shouldn't have uh, that have probably made the internet a worse place. Here we go. All right. Again, I apologize to you, the world of the internet, for doing these things that I've done. The first of the two stories that I'd like to talk about is headlined, I'm a stripper, and I can read the markets better than the bankers can. Uh, in this article, uh, this woman, who is a, a uh, working lady, uh, says that she and many of the other people who do the things she does for a living absolutely know better than any of the financial experts in your life uh, when we're in a, a bear market, when we're in a bull market, when things are good, when they're not. Uh, this is because of the amount of people inside uh, her establishment. Uh, she said that it's something that her and a lot of other people who do the work she does uh, are able to do uh, because they need to know how the rich are spending their money. Uh, if people are going there, if businesses are bringing clients for a fun night out and pop into a venue like hers, then she knows things are great. Uh, but when the uh, work is is not uh, as beneficial as it usually is, when there's not as many people around, well, then she knows, I apologize, here, I'll stop the music for this. Uh, then she knows uh, that things are certainly not uh, going to be good for the rest of us out there in the world. I'm not sure if she's right about the things she says, uh, but I certainly clicked on and read the whole story and believe that I have failed you uh, as an internet user uh, by clicking on something that also had photos that were not necessary, uh, but not not salacious. Don't worry. This was appropriate for workplaces, I think, although it was from the sun. All right. One other one that I want to, again, apologize for. So one more clickbait confession. I, I'm ruining the Internet uh, story after story, and you deserve to be apologized to correctly. Here we go. <laughs> uh, this is about a grandmother, a grandmother who has a great workout routine that you should probably follow, too. Uh, she has rock hard abs, apparently. She said that felt awkward the way I just did it. Uh, 64, uh, Lensley Maxwell is her name. She's out of Australia. Uh, she said she often gets uh, mistaken for her granddaughter, uh, but that her workout routine and all the other uh, healthy eating she does is the reason she looks so great. Uh, she used to be a size eight. But now she's cut it all the way down to a size two, and she thinks you can do the same. I feel like that's actually the pitch and the reason I clicked on this story. I uh, get workout uh, advice from someone who's had some success. I promise that's what it was. Uh, but you can do the same by just some simple life changes, uh, ones that she has already made herself. Uh, her biological age is not the age she cares about. It's the, I'll stop the music again, uh, the age of her fitness uh, regimen. I will say that she is impressive. 
Um, um, someone that I don't think I've encountered a lot uh, at the age that is mentioned here, 64, and she does look like she's in incredible shape, and it does look like it's pretty hard <laughs> for most of us uh, to, to have that success. Uh, and again, I'm sure there's a valuable component to that story. Uh, the exercise advice, pretty much the same thing you'd see everywhere else. And the eating advice, uh, eat as healthy as possible, essentially the thing mentioned there. Uh, but what's most important maybe to me, uh, hopefully to you or to anyone else, <laughs> is the idea uh, that there's also a bunch of photos, of course, of this woman uh, standing very proud as she deserves to be. All right. I've ruined the Internet enough. I apologize for those things. Just one last quick thing before we get out of here. Uh, I saw this story and it actually reminded me of a joke my grandmother told me, a joke that I can't tell on the air. Also odd that I'm now talking about a joke from my grandma. After the last story I did, I feel weird all of a sudden. But I will tell you uh, that this story does connect to that joke. Uh, a parent went online and said that she's had to save money like most of us uh, during the pandemic, during all the uh, stressful things that are now inflation. Uh, and so for years, she's been buying thrift store clothing for her children. But she went a step further than most. She said even the underwear... Oh, wow. I said this on the radio. Even the underwear is always secondhand and that, you know, her kids uh, don't really know about that and don't need to care about it. It's all been washed. It's fine. Uh, but she says she saves a ton of money because that stuff is so cheap in the stores. Uh, most people on the Internet uh, disagreed with that decision and judged the mom for it. I will let you be the arbiter of whether or not she's making the right uh, decision. I uh, do feel bad uh, for some involved. And certainly if you don't inform uh, those that you're giving the secondhand item to, and that's the secondhand item. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that there does deserve to be some conversation, some other things going on there. All right, on that note, uh, that awkward last story, I encourage you to uh, celebrate the rest of your holiday uh, as effectively, as fun as you can. Uh, Chad, as I said, will be back after the holidays. I've been Craig Collins filling in. Send your hate mail there. This is the Chad Benson Show.